You're listening to the official Dietitian Connection podcast. This podcast gives you access to the most successful and influential experts in the dietetic profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Welcome to another episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast. My name is Marie Ferguson. I'm the Director of Dietitian Connection, and it's our pleasure to welcome you to today's podcast. It's my pleasure to introduce you to Melissa Joy Dobbins. Melissa is based in the US, and she's the guilt-free RD, because food shouldn't make you feel bad. She's also the CEO of Sound Bites, representing sound science, smart nutrition, and good food, and the creator of Do More with Dinner, Make Ordinary Rituals Extraordinary. She was the Outstanding Dietitian of the Year in the US in 2014, and she's been named one of 10 dietitians you need to follow on social media by the US News and World Report. Melissa is an award-winning nationally recognized food and nutrition expert, media spokesperson, speaker, blogger, and podcaster with more than 20 years experience and a proven track record of providing real solutions for real people so they can enjoy their food with health in mind. Her background includes nearly a decade of clinical nutrition and client counselling, as well as corporate wellness, public speaking, academia, and research. She's a former supermarket dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and she also specialises in weight management, family nutrition, and food safety and technology. A former national media spokesperson for the Academy of Nutrition Dietetics and the National Dairy Council, Melissa has been a regular voice in the media in the US for over 15 years. She's conducted hundreds of TV interviews and has been quoted in publications such as the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, and O Magazine. Utilising her communications expertise, Melissa enjoys coaching other dietitians on media, social media, and public speaking skills, with a particular emphasis on creating and delivering meaningful messages that engage and empower audiences. So thanks so much for joining us today, Melissa. It's such a pleasure to have you on for our Dietitian Connection podcast today. Um, Thank I you think for having met- me. I'm so excited oh, to talk with you. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And of course, it's uh, summer in the US where you are, and it's uh, a winter morning here in um, Australia. Uh, so I think we met a few years ago at FINSI, which for our Australian listeners is the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, previously known as the American Dietetic Association Conference. And I've kept abreast of what you're doing and you're always on the leading edge of what's happening in dietetics and I know you've got a niche that you've carved out for yourself in terms of um, media and uh, helping dietitians with speaking and media training so it's fantastic to have you on today to to share a little bit about what you do so I thought maybe we could start with how or why you decided to become a dietitian and I think that has something to do with ballet if I'm correct (laughs) yes a little bit Um, I grew up in a very artistic family And my dad was an actor, director, playwright. My mom is a graphic artist, a visual artist. And so I studied ballet. And uh, I actually went to a performing arts high school and discovered that I didn't want to give up everything for the art. I wanted to, you know, have a little bit more balance in my life. And so I went back to a regular high school and I really enjoyed my chemistry class. I had a fabulous chemistry teacher and I kind of had to switch gears from a career in ballet to, oh, I am going to go to college after all. And so I felt like I had to make a few decisions kind of quickly and I decided to go to college as a chemistry major, possibly going to go into pharmacy. And after about three semesters of those weed out chemistry classes, I thought, oh my gosh, this is not what I 
want to do for the rest of my life. I want to work with people. I want to help people. So my college advisor suggested dietetics and I still wasn't quite sure what that was. And then I saw a dietitian in action um, at our university wellness center and saw how she was educating and empowering this group of young ladies. And it just got so excited and really, um, it just clicked for me. And I said, yeah, that's what I want to do. So that's kind of how I got into the major and then decided to go on to graduate school and still, you know, didn't really know what I was going to do with it. Uh, so it's been kind of interesting to see how my career sort of evolved. Mm. It's always interesting to hear different people's journeys in terms of where they started and, and where they end up. And I know that you've had a fantastic career in dietetics working in a number of different areas. I just wondered if you could tell us or share a few highlights of the different areas that you've worked in. Sure. I, uh, I went off and started in a pretty traditional path uh, as a clinical dietitian, mostly because I did a coordinated program. So I did not do the traditional internship in a hospital. And so I felt like it would be a, a good foundation for me to have a clinical job. So I did that for a couple of years. And then I became an outpatient dietitian. And that's when I was in my realm. I loved being an outpatient dietitian, counseling people on a variety of issues, doing community nutrition, um, corporate wellness. Um, and actually, that that's when I got into the media as well. On the very first day of my job, the TV stations were coming and I had to do a, a segment on men's health, which is, uh, it's all a blur now. That was back in 1995. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was just a lot of variety. It was very rewarding. It was very fulfilling. It was my favorite job by far. And I had a fabulous boss and just taught me a lot and a great group of dietitians to work with. Um, I left that job in 2000 and still every year I organize a reunion for that group of dietitians. Oh. It's actually coming up next week. Um, and so we're all still really close. And uh, just, you know, I look back on that job uh, very fondly and learned so much. That's actually when I became a certified diabetes educator as well, which has been a really important part of my career. And so from there you went to, was it the supermarket? Right. So after that, um, I took a job at a supermarket um, in Chicago, where I'm based. My whole career, I've been in Chicago. And uh, it, this was, again, back in 2000. So there had been a few supermarket dietitians here and there across the United States, but this was kind of a big sort of surge of uh, dietitians being in supermarkets. So I, I was on a team of about six dietitians across the U.S. that worked for different retailers, uh, but we kind of worked together and helped each other with in-store promotions, media topics, things like that. And that was, uh, I did that for about two and a half years, and that was really interesting. I learned a lot. I worked very hard. I pulled all-nighters for that job uh, and did a ton of media. I was on TV about once a week and I wrote articles. This was before blogs. <laughs> so I wrote website articles. I wrote in-store brochures. I did store tours, grand openings. Uh, I was just running around crazy. And, and I, I, I liked learning, but I wouldn't say all the work that I did was very fulfilling. I would have loved to have just been in the aisles all day talking to people, but I had to do a lot of other things and wear a lot of different hats. So eventually I moved on from that job and worked for the Dairy Council 
Um, I was the Midwest Dairy Council, and then I also became a National Dairy Council spokesperson. So there was still a lot of media in my job, but it wasn't like at that breakneck speed that I was as a supermarket dietitian. Mm -hmm. And it was nice to kind of focus on one food group instead of the whole supermarket. <laughs> and I got some fabulous media training at the Dairy Council. They taught me how to blog. They taught me about social media and, of course, a lot of on-camera training. And after about eight years of that, I um, decided to start my own business. Hmm. I think it's such a, a great thing to have worked in so many different areas and then to be able to pull that together in your own business is, is fantastic. So what led you to start your own business? Well, it's, it's not what most people think. It's not like I had this vision that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and own my own business and be my own boss and all that stuff that you hear. Um, I was actually, there was a lot of stuff going on at, at home. Uh, my son was really young. Um, we had a death in the family. There was just a lot of personal things going on. And I really needed to be, I needed more flexibility. I needed less travel, which is ironic because now I travel more, but that, <laughs> that didn't happen right away. Um, yeah, and I just, I needed to be there more for my family. And so my husband encouraged me to leave my full-time job. And I also, um, I wasn't using my diabetes uh, certification very much, and I really missed that. And I wanted to do more with that. So I took a part-time job as a diabetes educator in a, the local hospital, actually where I had my son. And I did that for about a year and a half while I was sort of kind of figuring out what I was going to do with my business on the side. And I thought about private practice, but I didn't want to deal with insurance and reimbursement and just the whole business side of things. I was like, I just want to help people. Uh, so over time, it just became very clear that with my media skills, all the training and experience I had in Chicago, the third largest media market in the United States, um, and how I felt like dietitians really didn't have much access to that type of training unless you were a supermarket dietitian or a dairy council dietitian or an academy spokesperson that, you know, you really kind of didn't have those opportunities. And I thought, well, maybe I could provide that for dietitians because I, I enjoyed teaching other dietitians those skills a lot more than I actually enjoyed doing them. <laughs> so <laughs> really, um, yes, a lot okay. more because it's like that you're an educator and you're inspiring mm -hmm. and you're, you're motivating people and, and you're, supporting them and you're cheerleading them on. Um, sometimes when you're doing media, it's sort of like you're just putting it out there and you're not sure what, what kind of response you're getting and if it's making a difference for anybody. So that mm -hmm. was the difference for me. Mm -hmm. So let's talk more about media then. I, you talked about your first um, media was in, in that first job that you had and you were on the first day and you were sort of just thrown into it. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, people, a lot of people want to get into media and don't know how to do it. So do you have any tips or can you tell us a little bit more about your experience in the early days about working sure. with media? Yeah. I mean, I think one, one thing is to say yes, if an opportunity like that does present itself, it's kind of scary, but I remembered thinking, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but somebody has got to do this. And if we don't talk to the media, maybe somebody else who's not a dietitian will talk to the media. And so I just sort of, you know, like I say, felt the fear and did it anyway. Um, and then after that, um, I had more newspaper interview type opportunities. There wasn't a lot of uh, TV opportunities uh, until I became a supermarket dietitian. But um, what I remembered 
seeking out a mentor and saying, well, I'd like to get more involved in the media. How, how should I go about that? And this person was really like, well, the only way to do that is to be a state media rep. And I kind of felt like, well, there's got to be other ways. So I'm glad you asked that question because I always share kind of my path, but I always let people know that, you know, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. And like I said, if an opportunity comes your way, don't shy away. Just kind of do the best you can and prepare as best you can and seek advice from other dietitians who maybe been in, the, in that situation. Um, and then try to get some training and try to get some skill building, uh, figure out if you want to do more on-camera stuff. Uh, nowadays, there's so much you can do with videos and obviously podcasting. There's a lot more opportunities that are non-traditional. Um, so I would encourage people to, you know, do some skill building, take some seminars, do some trainings, and get experience. Uh, the actual experience of doing it taught me so much. I learned a lot in my trainings, but I learned just as much by actually physically doing it. Um, and so, yeah, I would say, you know, get involved in different practice groups or different organizations that you can learn from other people who are out there doing it and find those opportunities to, to get some training and uh, learn how to reach out to the media. And really a lot of it is, I think, is building your presence and building your brand and knowing what you stand for, which, you know, is a whole other kind of conversation that, that we can have. Um, but I think that's important as well. And you mentioned if, if we don't do it, if dietitians don't do it, other people are going to do it. And that's certainly happening more and more. Do you have an, it's certainly happening here in Australia where there's non-qualified people talking in the nutrition space. They're sort of celebrity nutrition experts. And I know you have the same in, in the US. So how do you, what would you say to dietitians to help them stand out amongst the, the crowd that we've got in the nutrition space these days? Absolutely. And that's one of the big reasons that I encourage dietitians to, to get their voices out there and to you know not wait until the stars align and everything's perfect and the perfect opportunity presents itself, but to, to just get your voice out there, whether it's writing a blog or, um, you know, whether it's social media, traditional media, wh whatever opportunities you, you can get. Um, I think what we need to do, we, we have a challenge. We have, you know, we have to be compelling but we can't just say whatever we want like these celebrity quote unquote experts can. So they can be real sensational. They can say whatever they want. We have to be evidence-based and yet still be compelling. And that's what I really focus a lot on in my media trainings is I'll, you know, kind of start with dietitians have that foundation because we're educators. So we are communicators. And then what we need to do is sort of take it to the next level to be extra careful and diligent about speaking to the science. You know, we, we've got to do a lot of work in that area. It's not easy. Um, and for that reason, I actually created my Sound Science Toolkit, which is a free downloadable on my website at soundbitesrd.com um, that just gives you resources right at your fingertips to help remember the hierarchy of studies and, you know, just different things to help you evaluate the research out there so that you can speak to the science. And then different ways to be compelling. And one of the most effective ways to do that is to let your personality come through. Um, don't feel like you need to kind of fit into a box and 
definitely don't be boring or bland. Let your personality come through. So you need to know what you stand for. You need to know what your brand is. And, you know, I can speak to the science and another dietitian could speak to the science, but we could say it two different ways because of our brand and our niche. Um, and the other thing I would say is don't forget to celebrate good food. Uh, I know, so so my tagline for my business is sound science, smart nutrition, good food. The sound science, again, is just reminding us to be evidence-based. The smart nutrition part, I think dietitians come by very easily. Instead of just telling people to eat more fruits and vegetables, we're giving them, hey, did you know that canned beans can count towards that or frozen berries can count towards that? Um, and then that the good food part is you know, giving people permission to savor and celebrate food. They're going to listen a lot more closely. You're going to be a lot more compelling if you have that aspect and they don't think that it's, you know, like I always say, you know, dietitians aren't the food police. We're more like coaches than referees. So we can kind of change the perception that maybe people might have about dietitians. Mm. We're certainly talking more about that in Australia is getting back to celebrating the joy of food. Um, and I started a bit of a conversation recently about p potentially thinking about the word dietitian, because as you said, it does sort of often have negative connotations and perhaps we should rebrand ourselves with a different name. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. Oh, I agree. I think it's unfortunate that dietitian is the word that we sort of glommed onto early on. And I'm glad that we're in America, kind of taking the nutritionist title back. Although I have to say, registered dietitian nutritionist is a mouthful, and I don't know, are we confusing people more or are we clearing it up? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but I think it's, it's also in the little things. Like when they hear a radio commercial from the academy where a dietitian is speaking, that's an opportunity for us to be really savvy and compelling and paint a picture that nutrition doesn't have to be complicated or boring. And I think we just really have to be diligent about that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just like when you see a patient or a client one-on-one, -on -one, before they come in and when they come in to see you, they are sort of thinking, oh gosh, you know, this is going to be dreadful and I'll never get to enjoy the foods I love. And then when they leave, they have this, aha, this wasn't so bad. I think I can do this. This is, you know, so we have to do that on a larger scale. We can do that one-on-one, -on -one, but we have to kind of convey that on a larger scale. Yeah, totally agree. And so I know you're going about helping all of us dietitians do that. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do now in your, in your business? Sure. Um, I focus as much of my business as I can on media trainings, um, it could be traditional media, on-camera interviews, or even videos, because those skills are transferable. Or obviously, you know, radio interviews, print interviews, online interviews. Um, but also, I've been asked a lot to do social media workshops. And so I do some of that as well. And then that sort of also led to speaker coaching or presentation skills training. And, you know, my philosophy is a lot of those skills are transferable and you can build on those. And the things that I learned that I would use in a three-minute TV segment are very effective for me to use in a one-hour webinar or presentation. Um, I was just never told, well, this is how you do a presentation. I kind of extrapolated that from my media interviews. So I do a lot of that. And like I said, I try to focus as much of my business on that as possible. 
Um, that does require travel if I'm doing a group workshop. Um, some I do some one-on-one -on -one coaching, but I don't really promote that very much because it's really hard for me to fit that into my schedule. But if somebody's really motivated and really focused and they want to learn XYZ, I'll talk with them and I'll say, well, this is okay, this is how I can help you. This is how many sessions. We'll do it by Skype or phone or whatever. And then the other part of my business is doing um, other types of speaking to, to dietitian groups, whether it's, you know, working with a food client like the Beef Council um, and doing uh, a state dietetic association presentation that may or may not have anything to do with beef. Um, so I do uh, a lot of public speaking and then I do a lot of digital communications or social media type campaigns with different food companies as well. Hmm. It's quite a varied role, which I'm sure is enjoyable. Um, yeah, I do. I do enjoy the variety, although sometimes it's hard to um, juggle it all. But it you know, all. Yeah. we're all we're all in that position mm -hmm. to some extent, juggling everything. So you talked about presentations and any. If you had three tips for dietitians on how to deliver a fantastic presentation, yeah, sure. Um, I would say a couple of things. It, it in some ways it's similar to media. Like don't. Well, my, my main quote about that is being an effective communicator is far, there's far more to it than just being comfortable in front of a microphone, whether it's on camera or in front of a group. And I know that was where I was for years. I'm comfortable in front of a group. That's all I need, you know, that and sharing good content. Well, that's all there is to it. Well, there's a lot more to it, um, but it's not, it's very attainable. It's very doable. Um, I think the most important thing is to do all your planning and preparation ahead of time, not trying to share too much information. So it's again, the same as I would suggest for a two minute video or a three minute TV segment, you've got to boil that information down to three main points and then have your sub points. Don't try to cover too much. Um, also, use stories, use storytelling, um, involve the audience. Uh, don't leave your Q&A towards the end because then it kind of just fizzles out or maybe you don't know the answer to a question or maybe there's an adversarial question or confrontational and it kind of ends on that note. You want to move your Q&A up a little earlier and then do a summary, wrap up, an inspirational send-off and even growing up in the theater, sometimes I get a little self-conscious about that inspirational send-off, but I can't tell you how important it is. It, it, I think you were at the, the fancy presentation I did on mm -hmm. podcasting. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, we did this queen karaoke thing at the end, and I had to tell myself, like, you're going to look silly, but you're going to have fun. And I got so much positive feedback from people. You kind of got to put yourself out there and, and uh, really try to be – um, empowering and, and have a strong call to action for people and they will appreciate it. And, you know, it's about connecting with people. Mm -hmm. So I think those are just, those are some of the best tips that I can think of right now. Mm. I'm a big believer in storytelling. And I think that's something that we need to embrace more as dietitians to communicate the science and yeah, to connect with people. And I think if we can do that, our message will be more compelling. Yeah. And a great way to learn some of those skills is to watch Ted talks. They, you know, there's a science behind the 18 minute TED talk and sorry, my dog <laughs> just sneezed, um, you know, so, you know, here you've got this compelling presentation in 18 minutes. They don't need an hour to make their point. Now I know our world is kind of structured in that sense. Um, 
But the worst thing you can do as a presenter is run out of time and say, oh, we don't have time for these slides or go over time. Like that's the worst thing you can do. And I know how hard that is. I know how hard that is. And it takes a lot of work not to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you watch TED Talks and you see how compelling they are and the storytelling that they use, you can learn a lot from that. Yeah, totally agree. And moving on, you, you were one of the, you're often a pioneer. So you were one of the first dietitians, if not the first, I believe, in the US to start podcasting. So can you tell us a little bit about your podcast, Sound Bites? Sure, absolutely. Um, I wasn't the first. You weren't but, the first? Okay. But I, I would say I was definitely one of the first. And mm. it, it gets a little tricky because some um, dietitians had radio shows that then turned into podcasts. And so okay. there's that kind of phenomenon in in this arena. Um, But yeah, I decided to start podcasting. I was actually initially wanted to do something with YouTube and I wanted to, you know, clear up myths and talk about nutrition news and get separate science fiction from science fact. But I couldn't come up with a good visual. And here I have all this on camera experience. But I also, one of the things I didn't really enjoy about on-camera media was having to kind of pretend to be a food stylist and work with all the food. I just like, I don't want to deal with that. I just want to talk. So Mm. it became pretty obvious that I didn't have any visuals and that podcasting would be the the, the right fit. So then I learned about all the technology and and all the grief that (laughs) can go along with that. Mm. Um, But it's, it's been an interesting learning curve. And I knew that I wanted to interview other people. And that adds another layer with technology issues. But I find that to be what what I'm interested in. I find all these fascinating speakers and I ask them if they'll be on my show. And a lot of them, if they're great speakers, they're usually good interviewees. And, uh, you know, just a variety of topics. Um, and And I just kind of put it out there and thought, well, I'll just see how this evolves. But a big reason I've stuck with it is because I want to take these learnings and teach other dietitians so that we can get more dietitians out into the podcast space. So whenever I'm kind of getting sort of down on the technology or how difficult that would be, I, uh, I think, well, okay, I'm going to teach this to other dietitians and they'll use it and they'll take it and they'll run with it. So any tips on how dietitians can get started in podcasting? Because I think there's just not enough of us doing it at the moment, and particularly to consumers. Yes. Uh, so the good news is there are all kinds of free resources out there for people to learn. There are podcasts on podcasting. There are YouTube tutorials on podcasting. And, you know, I always tell people you can do as much or as little of the technology as you want to. So if you want, you can hire out some of that stuff. And I know it sounds like, well, you know, that's going to cost more money or I really, you know, I'm on a low budget and I don't want to do that. I want people to think about the more time you can free up to focus on your content and let other people do the technology, then that's better for you. And I think you've got a a toolkit and I do have what I call a podcaster's package. So if somebody is really um, 
interested in just picking my brain about the different options for getting started on podcasting, that, that would fall into my one-on-one -on -one coaching. I'm happy to do a group workshop on that somewhere as well. Um, I, I, I'm also pulling together a lot of resources for people. So I recently uh, did a workshop at Today's Dietitian in Orlando, and I can give you the link to that blog post that accompanied it, where I highlighted eight dietitians who do videos, and I highlighted eight dietitians who do podcasting, and then I pulled together a bunch of free resources for people. So there is really a lot out there. It's, it's very doable. You can do it for free if you're willing to do your own editing and things like that, or you can do it very low cost, um, or you can, you know, spend as much money as you, as you want on mm -hmm. it. Uh, but what's nice is it's like having your own radio show, you know, after being in traditional media for so long and having to um, either pitch a topic that, you know, the media would think is interesting or respond to their request on whatever they wanted to talk about. It, it's nice to kind of be on the other side of the mic and say, well, this is what I think is important. And uh, I still wonder sometimes, well, do my listeners think this is important? So getting that feedback is also helpful. Uh, but I figure, well, if they like it, they'll listen. And if they don't, they'll, they won't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I think you talked earlier about the importance of a personal brand. Um, and you've certainly created that in what you've done around sound bites and helping people with um, speaking and media training. Um, can you talk a little bit about how someone might go about creating their personal brand? Sure. Um, there's a few things that I learned along the way. And I think that all dietitians are their own brand, whether they know it or not. Even if you work for a hospital or you're employed by somebody else, you still are your own brand. So I think that's the first thing is realizing that and sort of cultivating that. When I came up with my moniker, the guilt-free RD, because food shouldn't make you feel bad, that was just a few years ago. But I realized that is who I've been my whole career. I just didn't have words for it. So I think putting a lot of thought into maybe different keywords or key phrases that you hear yourself saying a lot, maybe to patients or clients or friends, family, um, and, and kind of start kind of owning that and incorporating that into everything that you do. I also think it's really important to know what is your food philosophy, um, and I have mine on my website that kind of gets into my, my whole guilt-free philosophy and, um, you know, how food shouldn't make you feel bad. And, and that also resonated with me a lot because of my diabetes educator role. Um, and, you know, kind of, you know, why did you become a dietitian? I became a dietitian, most, most dietitians will say, to help people dig a little deeper. I became a dietitian because I didn't want people to be afraid of which milk they should choose at the grocery store. I wanted people to be informed and unafraid. And so like all of these different, where's the fire? What's, what are you really passionate about? That, those are clues to help you define your brand. Um, and, and for me, it just required a lot of soul searching and a lot of just thinking about it instead of it sort of just kind of being in the back of my mind. And it was always there and pointing me in the right direction as far as my career, but I had to just really sit and think about it. Mm -hmm. And I think you've started something that really 
follows that food philosophy and theme more recently um, with your Do More With Dinner initiative with, with your daughter, Sarah. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. And actually, I think that's a really good example of sort of a piece of my brand and, and how that came about. And this is how things work sometimes. I'd had a very busy year and I wanted to have a vision for the upcoming year for 2016. And I thought, okay, I want to spend more time with my family again. This is, you know, how many years, five years, uh, since I had, you know, quit my full-time job and, you know, it's, it's been this journey, if you will. Um, but I thought, okay, that, that, that year was really busy. I want to spend more time with my family and where specifically do I feel, that I could have them get the most ROI. Where are they really kind of getting the short end of the stick? And I was honest with myself and I thought, you know what, it's dinner time. Cause they're getting all the food groups, but that's about it. You know, they're not getting any frills. And um, I, so I started thinking about how I could do more with dinner. And that might mean spending more time in the kitchen. It might mean spending less time in the kitchen. Um, it could be a, nothing to do with food and having more, um, impactful conversations, could be having more fun at dinner time, um, all of those things. And the more I started thinking about it, I realized, well, this could resonate with other people. And a big key for me has always been highlighting and promoting other dietitians. And I thought this is a perfect opportunity for me to promote other dietitians who are culinary or who do a lot with meal prep. I could talk about healthy shopping at the grocery store. I could talk about basic cooking skills, getting your kids in the kitchen. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought not only is this something that'll be fulfilling for me, but it'll be a nice way to round out my brand. So I think, you know, that's a good example of how taking something that is important to you and incorporating it into your daily life and your daily work. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask you to put you on the spot to end with something inspirational, the inspirational send off, but you might've just done that. Was there anything <laughs> else you wanted to, to add to inspire and empower our listeners to go out there and create their own brand, you know, get out there in the media and start things like podcasting. Absolutely. Um, I'll say one more thing about the do more with dinner mm-hmm. uh, and then I'll, and then I'll be a little bit more general. Um, but I do encourage people to, to check out my do more with dinner blog posts and podcasts and, and to, you know, kind of do your own little experiment. You know, what does do more with dinner mean for you? Um, and then the first podcast with my daughter, I was kind of saying what it meant to me. And I realized I was saying, well, it's not fancy recipes and it's not. And I thought, well, Hey, if that's what do more with dinner would, would be to somebody else, then go for it. You know, if you want to do some gourmet recipes or whatever. Um, so, um, and again, I, I do think that that's a, it's a good example of seeing how you can bring something to life that, um, it can be personal and you can leverage it in your brand. Um, but I would say in general, with regard to getting more involved in the media, social media, public speaking, videos, podcasting is, you know, it's a quote from Karen Lamb. A year from now, you'll wish you started today and don't wait for everything to be perfect. Uh, really social media type stuff like podcasting, the only way to learn it really is to do it. And I know dietitians tend to, you know, kind of want the plan of action and everything all spelled out. And it's hard to put yourself out there. I've been putting myself out there for years and it's still 
hard sometimes, and you know, we care what people think. Um, but when you put yourself out there, you let your personality come through, people get who you are and what you stand for. They connect with you and then they're open to your information. So I like to say express, engage, and empower. And that's my big send off. Love it. Thank you. And how can um, dietitians connect with you, Melissa? Because I'm sure many will want to do so after the podcast. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yes. Um, so um, all of my social media links are on my website at soundbitesrd.com. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at MelissaJoyRD. Um, my podcast is Sound Bites with Melissa Joy Dobbins. You can listen on the computer. You can go to iTunes. It's on Google Play and Stitcher. I try to be as many places as possible. And I would love to hear any feedback that people have uh, because sometimes, yeah, you're just putting it out there and you don't know if people like what they're hearing or what they want more of or what they want less of. So I'd love feedback and I'd love a rating and review on iTunes. <laughs> yes, we all love, would love that. So we'll include all of those links on our um, show notes as well, Melissa. And I would highly encourage anyone who hasn't been to FINCI, which is the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics Conference, to attend. And Melissa often does um, workshops or sessions around these topics. So that's a great way to learn more as well. So thank you so much for your time today, Melissa. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Dietitian Connection podcast. And thank you for all of your tips and sharing your story and journey and um, giving us some inspiration on where to from here for all of us. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. And I look forward to seeing more dietitians out there speaking to the science and, and getting their personality out there. I look forward to seeing that. <laughs>